Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, Monday, April 11th, and you know what we do on Mondays, right? We bring in James McCool. Mondays with McCool, James McCool is the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. You can also pick up the thummy thumbs. Pick them up, pick your thumb off the floor and push that button. It helps us out. Give us those, those thumbs. First day of the week, rise and shine. See you guys in the chat. Suki Singh, early as usual. Real life pitcher. We got him back. Oh, I haven't seen real life pitcher in a while. I guess it comes back just for baseball. Uh, Matt Mears is here. David Kalnis, Injustice 360. Card fan, Trey. Got Devin in the chat. Devin's been been filling in a lot for, for the past past. You know that Eli's this way and Steve's that way, whatever. So it's been mostly uh, mostly uh, Devin in the chat. Uh, Injustice three sixty asks: Are Vegas odds unreliable in MLB DFS? No, they're as reliable as they would be in anything. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's the it's the it's the it's sports betting market, and over the course of uh, time, a long big sample size. It's 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 typically closing lines uh, are typically pr are pretty good. I mean, yes, it, it's not it's they're not. Remember, they, these are medians. So it's like, oh, implied team total is, uh, is is four and a half. Well, sometimes that's twelve runs, and sometimes they get shut out. I mean, like it's just it's the middle of a range of outcomes. Uh, James, you you I mean, even even in MLB, right? I mean, sports betting lines because of the liquid the, the I think a better way of putting it is that the more liquid the market is, the more likely that that those numbers are good, and you could you 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 can use those to even build your own projections. Yeah, uh, the the problem I will say that I think that baseball markets are of the major sports the least reliable. Quote unquote, they're still good. I mean, they're still like obviously going to be better than just building blindly. Um, a lot of models use top down for baseball because, uh, you know, like hockey, we see that Vegas totals are typically like between a five and a seven over under almost always. Sometimes you'll see a seven and a half. It's two like really high aggressive teams. And then you almost always see that team totals are somewhere between, you know, like two and five or something like that. That's, that's pretty much what it is. But for baseball, we have um a pretty wide range of outcomes in terms of the over-unders and in terms of the uh the projected team totals and applied rentals and stuff like that but uh like you said when when we look at liquidity when we look at how much action and volume there's going to be on sports nfl lines are the most reliable because you get so much action on nfl you get so much action on nba like nfl and nba lines are typically very very um solid over the course of the full season and baseball, um, baseball is just not as popular. Like it, it's still popular enough that the lines are going to be pretty good, but in terms of liquidity and volume, it's the one that gets the least betting action, especially on retail books here in America. Um, I, I think that you could probably say that, especially early in the season, it's less reliable, but it's like, what else are you going to go off of? Um, if you build a top-down projection, it's not like you're going to be going off of, I can't, I literally can't even come up with an example of something else that you could use if you're going to be building top-down projections. Now, if you if you're like me and you build bottoms up, then that's one thing, and then you're 
trying to say, okay, well, I can build a line that is as efficient as Vegas comes in, but you're still going to come close most of the time. So it, it's not like it matters that my process is convoluted in that I try to build up to a Vegas line and then I come within 3% of it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. When I could just be using the Vegas line itself anyway. So, um, but the biggest lines are as reliable as there is volume baseball being the one that has the least betting volume. Um, I, I think even behind uh, hockey at this point. So keep that in mind, but it's not like you're going to be able to use anything else. Yeah. When, when I was uh, part of a, a small sports betting syndicate a long time ago, all, all we did was bet on baseball. Yeah. Like compared, compared to anything. Uh, I mean, what we were what we were doing were was was scalping. I mean, essentially arbitrage, scalping, mm-hmm. and baseball. What? I mean, this is bad. This is two thousand and five, so this is this is ways long ago, and there, there was still uh, offshore sports books. the the big The biggest problem, I mean, the biggest problem to solve, I think, in all in all of sports betting, is two things: beating beating the beating the lines is the easy part. I, I, there's no issue with that. Uh, it's not like you could just blindly bet or anything, but like finding stale lines, arbitraging stuff, like you, you could do that. That that's 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 the easy part to me. Mm-hmm. It's getting the money down and then managing your bankroll. And I'm not talking about managing your bankroll as far as like in DFS where we talk about like swings. I'm talking about getting the uh, having the right money on the right books. So. Uh, if there, if you have, if you have accounts on fifteen different sports books, like you have to be able to like make a two thousand dollar bet, a five thousand dollar bet, or something, like within the the span of like maybe now it's it's much quicker. Back then it was like in the span of twenty minutes, mm-hmm. right? But depending on what books you have money on, like you have to start transferring money around. So it could be like you know, well, I could use this book to bet that line, and then come around and bet the other way on the other book because you get that arbitrage in between. And then it turns out you only have $300 in the account. And then a lot of, especially back, back in the old days, there were some, some books that you could do with that. Some credit cards, some debit cards work. Sometimes you had to do a Western union. You had to send it to some random, just like send it to this thing in Costa Rica or something. And then you'd have to email them and give them the code or whatever. And then within like six hours, they put it on, they put it on the book. And it's like, well, I don't have six, I don't have six hours to do that. So you kind of have to anticipate where over the, what, once you get used to it, you know what lines you're going to be using early and what lines you're going to be using late. Essentially the ML, the MLB system that, that we used was we would bet most, basically we'd bet most of the games uh, with the, the late lines so you'd get you'd get basically the morning odds, like late, like it would be 10, 9 o'clock at night and the games are still going on and you're getting the lines for tomorrow mm-hmm. and then betting that and then waiting and rebetting a lot of times the opposite side on different books on at four o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock at night or whatever the next day. And you'll see dramatic shifts and depending on, the, the trends of each sports book, you knew what what basically you could just basically predict the action because they were gonna they were gonna move based on liquidity. These were not sophi- 2005 was not as, as sophisticated of a time. They weren't profiling betting as long as long as you weren't scalping on the same book, 
you could they didn't really care right right so as, as long as you're not in if you're if you're if you're betting the favorite at uh at 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 minus 140 like don't bet the underdog at plus 165 later later the next day at the same book because that even though technically it's all part of their old liquid market but they view it as like you just basically stole money from us right because it's like this we'll bet the exact amount so we'll we'll you know we can make you know 78 dollars automatically right just based on it doesn't matter who wins we make 78 dollars because you say you just put that into excel or a calculator you figure out how much you need to bet on the other side mm -hmm. uh so you had to find the you had to get the stale line at the other book or like the yankees would get pushed too much like you'd find all these trends in different different books uh had 20 cent lines pinnacle obviously had dime lines so pinnacle was typically like that that's simply the early place you bet but not the late, but, and then you just like the pinnacle or Chris versus, and you get going Bodog back in the day. And you find all these stale lines that they don't leave up. And you have to, the, the main thing was just getting the money down. Uh, but baseball, to me, baseball was the most exploitable because uh, the conditions of the games are, are the most likely to change more dramatically. Right, James? So like in NFL, if you if, if you bet on Monday, by the time Sunday comes around, you, obviously there's injuries, there's weather. A lot of times the weather is factored. Like I'm, now we're now we're talking about 2022, right? A lot of times that's already factored in. Like the people will look at a weather forecast and go, next is it supposed to be cold, rainy, something like that? And then the injuries, we get so much better injury reporting now, also. That it's it's much harder, especially in, in such a liquid market like NFL, to, to do those types. You could still do it. It's just it's not it's not it's tougher. It's not as easy. NBA, same thing. Na maybe now. Back then we would never think of NBA because, dude, back in 2005, we didn't get the we don't we don't have these accounts. Who's in, who's out? And most of the teams, if they just played all their starters all the time. I mean, like it wasn't, it's not like load management and all this stuff now. So I can see an NBA, it's possible you have, you could do that. You could just sign up for as many sports books as possible, put money on, bet nearly every game early, and then wait for the line to move and bet the other side. And just, and you could just, just scalp money away. But in baseball, it's much more likely that uh, weather shifts, pitcher changes, bullpen, like you're, you're, I, I, we're, we're betting uh, at like nine o'clock at night, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, while half the, most of the games are still going on the day of. And, you know, you, you bet one side and turns out that that game, the game goes 16 innings and the bullpen is taxed. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of a sudden that, that, that favorite goes from, you know, minus minus it's a, it's a stud on the mound. It's a minus two twenty, but with no bullpen, or whatever, and that then it starts coming down to like minus one eighty, by minus one seventy five, or the run or the run total goes up. It was much harder to scalp run totals and try to try to like you know middle that. Uh, we did more on the more money line stuff, uh, but back then, but that that back then was easy. I mean, if there were, if there were fourteen games on 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 a night, we'd we'd probably be betting on ten plus of them. Yeah, and then as the the, the only time you lose the only time you quote lose money. Is if the if the if the line moves against you, right? 
And then you just got to, then, then you can still bet the other side, but now, you, now you're going to be taking a scalp loss, right? So now you're betting, it's like, oh, uh, no matter what happens, we lose $6, right? Because we didn't get the right side in the, in the beginning. And as long as you get the right, the, the, the right, I'm not talking about the winning side. I'm talking about the side that, that you close, that the number moves in your favor, right? right? And, and we, we, I mean, we did it for two seasons. Uh, it wasn't, it, we did it for, the first season was okay, but it just started getting, like just getting the money around made it just wasn't worth, it wasn't worth the time. But I mean, you, we were making, I don't know, Anywhere, anywhere from two to four hundred. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a big syndicate, right? It wasn't like that much money, but averaging averaging two three hundred dollars a night in in, in in found money, like not in no risk. I'm talking about like not there's there's no rooting interest in the games whatsoever. Like literally none. Like you can just look right there. We know we're we're getting two hundred thirty eight dollars right here because we're betting the exact right amount on both sides when it moves. That's like we get that middle, right? We don't have to. We don't have to get an outcome. Well, if it comes between, oh, the run line moved from seven and a half to eight and a half. So if it's a four, if it's a five to three game, we win both bets. We, it's not like that type of stuff. It's purely you bet on the favorite minus one forty, it ends up being minus one eighty five. You go and you bet on a on a even on on a twenty cent line, like even on a twenty cent line, you're still getting plus one fifty five. So you got ten cents in between. Right. So that's five cents of that's five, five cents of profit. And depending on if you're betting a thousand, two thousand dollars or something like that, like just, you make five, you make five percent. There you go. Damn, done. Right. So it's like that. That's James. This, this is the type of stuff. Why? Why? To me, like, it's hard for me to do sports betting content mm-hmm. because like I don't I don't I don't view sports betting as as caring about like what the like the. You show me a market of a cricket or something, as long as I understand how the odds work. Like that's all I'd be doing anyway. I'm just like, let me figure out what books move, what lines and how liquid the market is. Then how do I get, how do I get on both sides and, and capture the money in between, between two books without, uh, without, without getting at this point now, without getting limited. Because yeah. the, the thing, the thing about if you did this now, the problem doing this now, First off is it's easier to get the, if you do it all on legal books, right? Here's, here's the issue. Sorry to go into so much, but we do, we do sports betting content here at, at Roto Grinders. Mm-hmm. This is, this is help. This would be helpful for people. Yeah. Uh, the problem with doing that now is most of the retail American books have similar lines mm-hmm. and it's going to be very hard for you to find arbitrage opportunities, mm-hmm. Right. Because the lines aren't going to be that dramatic. Like FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, like the, the, the spread, the VIG between the, the, the hold that they have is also higher than it used to be, right? Back in 2005, finding dime, baseball dime lines was easy. Almost every book had dime lines, right? The bad ones had 20-cent lines. But we see in baseball, we have 30-cent lines, 40-cent lines. It's like, I don't know what you can't, how do you arbitrage? The, the line's never going to move that much. Right. Right. It, I mean, it could. I mean, if, but obviously, if a starter gets replaced, your bet is void anyway, because it, it, it's a must. It's, if, the, if the listed starting pitcher doesn't pitch, you're, you can't take advantage of that. Oh, Jacob DeGrom minus 320. And then it's like, nope, bullpen game. And all of a sudden, it goes down to minus 140. And you take the other side. That, you can't do that because they just void your first bet, mm-hmm. uh, even back in 2005. But 
doing that now, you got two problems. One, it's harder to find arbitrage opportunity. You could if you if you were also betting offshore as well. Mm. So if you if you were at American books as well as you know, who knows if you get your money type of books. Uh, and then the sec the second thing is that you're more likely to get limited by accident. Because essentially when you're arbitraging, what you're doing is you're, you're beating the closing line on one side and you're probably, you're actually probably not beating the closing line on the, on the opposite. It's, it's very rare that you could get it exactly. Like what ends up happening, this is, this is what ends up happening. You bet the favorite at minus 140, it goes to minus 185. You bet plus 175 on the underdog, right? When it goes to minus 185. Uh, maybe you're, you're getting it on the way up and you're betting it at plus 175 and it actually closes at plus 180, right? Because to you, you're getting the arbit, you're getting money in between it, no matter what, but you don't, but it actually went past that. Yeah, if you would have waited another half an hour, you would have gotten another five cents, hmm. right? So the book that I'm placing that bet on I I didn't I didn't get closing line value. I bet I bet an underdog of one seventy five that closed at one eighty, and on the other book I got I got closing line value because I bet a favorite at minus minus uh you know one forty and it went up to minus one eighty five. Now you're doing this between two books. Like, they don't know what you're betting on the other book, and they don't know like so you're doing all this and maybe over the course of time over the course of a month it just so happens that you're you're betting early. And beating the closing line on one book specifically more often than another book. So to one book, it looks like you're you're a, you're a dumber better, right? And to one book, it looks like you're 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 sharp as hell because your CLV is so high, right? And then that book starts. Then then all of a sudden you now you're going to place a two thousand dollar bet, and it's like no, nah, it did six hundred bucks or something. And then they start and then. Then that kind of ruins, like, and you, and it's hard to, you would have to track that to make sure that you're not doing that. So if you see, if for instance, what you would be doing in Excel or whatever tracking method you have is logging where you bet everything. And then if, for instance, early, like the overnight lines, if, if you're going to, if, if there's two books to have minus 140 on that favorite and bet the one, the one that you didn't have the CLV recently, bet it on that one. Right. So when it moves in your favor, it's you're not it's always moving in your favor on one side. But a lot of times it's that's hard to do because the better line is on the is on some other on other side. You have to essentially sacrifice EV to do that. Right. Because you, you'll you'll load up the overnight lines. And you'll see uh, minus 140 on one book and then minus 142 on another book and then minus, you know, 145 or whatever. And it's like, well, you should be. You, you should be betting minus minus 140, but it's like, well, the minus 142 book, we've had a lot of bad, we didn't, we didn't beat the closing line that often on that book. So it's like, even though the better line is minus 140, or maybe it's on the minus 145 book, right? Uh, like, but that's the book we, we actually have, we look like the dumbest better on. Right. And it's like, well, do you want to give up five cents in order to make this first bet there? Just for the sake of not having to make this the, the the bets that we're meeting the closing line on so often on these other books. So, like to to me, that is the crux of of sports betting. Like that, like what I've described right here 
in some fact, even if you're not scalping or anything, like that process is what professionals is is what uh, a hat what a certain percentage of the sports betting professionals do that aren't originators, right? We're not talking about people that like make their own models and are like I think my model is better than the the publics, and then try to just get on the right get on the right side of 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 line value. Like I'm talking about, like I really don't care as long as I can predict where the line is going to move on books. I could, I, it could be tennis. It could be literally any sport because it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me. But it's like that type of sport to me. That's what I view as sports betting, and why, and it's the main reason why. Like I know a hell of a lot about sports betting, but I, what content can I? I can't do picks. I don't care. The, 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 the sport doesn't matter. I don't care. Just show, just. Just get, get that if you could download all the information of the past several years of all the line movement of all the books or all the like that, and then I could predict which books will have st- different lines at different times, then that's what that's all I'll ever need. But I mean, it's 2022, and the books are way, way more sophisticated than they were in 2005. That, let me tell you, in 2005, nowhere near, I mean, dude, we would find we would find totally stale lines. And we would find lines that would be up for hours, hours where where it, the, what the fav, the favorite has risen to minus two ten because like that the, the batting order of the other other team came out and like the two star players are resting today or something, and then like there'd still be minus one sixty lines about like it's already up to two minus two fifteen on like pinnacle. And then I could still find a book where I could bet a thousand dollars on 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 minus one sixty, because they have it hasn't had they they didn't post a different number, right? So that getting back to DFS, I mean, that's the main reason why you want sharp liquid markets when it comes to using sportsbook lines with DFS. So it's not a matter of if MLB is more reliable or anything like that. I think it's more of the the I think all the all the books. All the books are way more reliable than they than they were back then. So, like when people ask me, it's like, well, do you use like for my MMA model? I go, do you use like DraftKings odds or whatever? It's like, no, I use, I, I, I use Pinnacle or Five Dimes or like something like that. Not to promote those sports books, which if you're gonna try to bet on them, it you can't. Yeah, as Americans, you can't. There are ways. There are ways around it. Yes. So it's not like I'm promoting offshore betting, but from a DFS perspective, I'd rather use those markets. Is that what you did? I mean, I'm assuming you, you you use that rather than than like BetMGM. Although you could, although the thing is, you could mm-hmm. if you because it's it's all going to be relational. Mm-hmm. You're going to be off, but you all of your thing is going to be off by the same relation anyway. Yeah, right. And when you're playing DFS, you don't necessarily care. Like in MMA, I I don't put in the the big free odds for the probabilities. Right, right, because the vig's the same. I mean, I'm I'm going from one book, so the vig's the same all the way through. Whether if if I have a, a inside the distance line of sixteen percent, and you take the vig out, and it's really eighteen percent. Well, that percentage is for the everything. I mean, so right. someone is forty two percent, it's really forty five percent, and like I'm not betting on anything. So all I need is just in relation to one another, because I'm just I'm just picking fighters. Yeah. Yeah, I use uh, I use offshore books when I build and build top down specifically, um, just because they're they're better. 
I, I don't bet on them, but I, I do use those to build, uh, to actually build out the models. And then what I do is for something like the, the NBA prop betting tool and for the, N and the NFL prop betting tool on the site, I actually go and pull the, from the sportsbook API for a drafting sportsbook. Because mm -hmm. I know that's what people are betting on. So I give those lines in relation to what the models have been built up on, but the models have been built up on offshore books because I think that they're better and I think that they're sharper. So I'd rather use the better ones um, to actually build up the projections and then put those up against the retail books that people are actually going to be betting on because that there's there's no reason for me to use um, like DraftKings Sportsbook as a way to actually build top down because they're just going off of what the offshore books are doing anyway. So. Right. Can, can you explain? why the uh, those offshore books are considered sharper uh, i'm letting you I, explain typically i would just let explain for 10 minutes and not let you talk but I, i'm trying to practice letting my guests answer the questions that oh, i already know the answer that's a wonderful self-aware thing to do um i know yeah, I'm, I'm rarely aware of doing it. I, i'm actually or i'm aware i'm doing it and i just do it anyway yeah well i mean that's how you raise it's all good um no, we, we've talked about it before. We actually talked about it a couple of weeks or probably a couple of months ago, I guess. But uh, the offshore books are where you can actually get down the action as things continue to go on. And then the retail books will look to the offshore books and then load up their lines based on what action moves off the offshore books. Which, I, I mean, that's that's why you use offshore books. That, that's, that's what the retail books are using anyway. So that I, you can wait for the retail books to to figure out how the offshore books are going to move, I guess, or you can just use the offshore books, which are going to load up quicker and, and be more reliable because there's so much more action. And there's so much more volume on them. Um, it, well, it's, it's not necessarily the volume. It's, it's the, the, it's the, the dynamic is those types of books and pr truthfully, the proper way that you should be a sports book operator is that you open, you have your own line. Like the sports book has their own origination method. Mm -hmm. They post the lines with low limits. Right. So, so like, like I said, for MLB back in 2005, like the typical, our typical limit was $2,000. Like we couldn't bet anymore on an overnight line because they weren't going to take $50,000. They weren't going to take that because they don't know how good the line is until people start betting on it. And then as people, as they get action in and depending on who's betting, like then they'll move the line. And then as they move the line, they'll increase the limits. Right. Because they're more, they're more confident of the line. Now, the, the thing is, is that on the not books that don't do it that way, typically what they're doing is going, we're not going to post anything until they they do that process. Right. So you're gonna see you're gonna, we're not, we're gonna wait two hours. Wait, wait, wait until Pinnacle of Chris post the line. See where much as it moves, and then we'll then we'll start taking action because they they they're trying to limit their risk as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then then the the retail books here in the United States are the ones where if we happen to be wrong, we'll just weed out the people. Like those offshore books, like Pinnacle and Chris, don't weed out anyone. They want they actually they they use those people to make their lines. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's like so they view them as a value. Like yes, we're going to lose over time to these people, but we're. The we're getting the information cheap instead of expensively. My my favorite term with that was uh, the owner of Bet MGM talking about sharp betters as clients. 
and saying that the sharp betters models were so good that they were fine with losing to them because they were basically being consulted on how their models should be ran. So they, they use sharp betters to, uh, to make their lines better. Right. That, that's what, that's what you should be doing. Uh, some people are not interested in the sports betting stuff. Some people are, I don't know. I never know. I never, I never know. There's no place for me to talk about it really. So why not? Why not on a show like this? Well, and I mean, I, th I think that it, it becomes more uh, prevalent in the next couple of years, right? Like information like this is going to be really valuable in a year when sports betting is more, um, is more popular or more accepted, I guess, across the United States. I, I think that we move farther into um, sports betting content probably in this industry rather than DFS content. And obviously DFS content is still going to be really valuable, but I think there will be more um, betting content that there is now by a long shot. Uh, whether that content will be good is completely a, an entirely different story. No, co no comment. Yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, I would suggest if if any if you're interested in the stuff that I was talking about, uh, get the logic of sports betting by Ed Miller. Yeah, and that 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 is the best recent book that'll explain all the dynamics that I'm talking about. Yeah, right. I, I think that there will be. Obviously, there will be a lot of people that jump in and um, start making content on sports betting and and talking about their picks for the day and such. Uh, and some of those people will be pretty good, but um, there will be a lot of people that are not pretty good and that are going to be selling you some snake oil stuff and saying, oh, this is such a bad beat. Like, I can't believe that I only lost this by one point. And it's like, well, why do you think the line was set at that? <laughs> and, and right and those are the people that didn't get the good line right exactly right if you lose if you're like oh man you know i i lost this this rebound prop i had 6.5 and you only had six that's such a bad beat it's like well no actually it was 5.5 at, at six right, you got the bad number right yeah you, you got the line after it already moved so right um that there will be a lot of people that um look at it as bad beats and look at it as like not not doing well but um, the people who are really, really good will know how to, how to put that stuff out. And, and there are some people already in the industry that do pretty well. Like, uh, I, I just think that it, it's going to be something that there's going to be a lot more focus on it moving forward. And like me over at, at Paydirt, I'm already trying to put together some better, um, sports betting stuff for NBA next season. If I run NBA, I don't even know if I'm going to, uh, but for NFL, for sure, I'm going to have it. And hopefully the markets start adding esports as it continues to be like more of a more of a mainstream thing here in North America, because I, I would love to be able to actually bet on esports on on retail books, but you just can't right now. And it's a pretty massive bummer. Right, I, I don't I don't I don't bet sports at all. No, I know, I know. And well, you you obviously don't need to, and you don't have any interest in actually like trying to build a model to beat lines. I like well, that, but the the point is, like if I were to bet sports, I'd be betting in the act in the way that I I've described, not in a non origination method. But right. let me let me let me put put it very clearly though. You can beat props. Yes. No problem. Okay. Yeah. You could what I would if you wanted to, and you didn't mind retail books, right? Like, so you, you're probably giving up a little bit EV because you're not going offshore. But the problem with offshore is all getting the money in legally, right? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed you getting someone else's account. You don't want to involve all of that type of stuff, which yeah. syndicates would be doing. Uh, but if if you wanted to make beer money, right? So I, I, you have to put this into context. If you want to make, I'm going uh, vacation money for the year. 
Like if you want to go on a nice vacation for a week mm-hmm. on your sports betting, that is absolutely 100% doable. You, you want to make five, five grand for the year? I think, I think the likelihood of you success rate, I would say is 90 plus percent. If you simply take DFS models and bet props, yep. right? Like I could take like from MLB, what I would be doing, no offense to James, is I would take the bat, Cardi's model. He has the statistical projections in them, right? So you could go to the bat, the standard projections page and it'll break down every category and everything for you. And then just go to the sports books and you look at strikeout lines, you look at home run props, hit props, anything like that. And any, and you don't have to like study, study, just even if you two or three times a day, there are probably tools that you could, you could overlay on your screen to, to make it easier for you and just go across. It's like, well, according to the bat, you know, he, he's, he's, he's like, he's like a 30% chance, uh, you know, a, a, a 25% chance of, of hitting a, a home run today. And if the line, if the line is like plus 350 or something, we'll bet it. There you go. Now you're not betting big or anything. You're t- I'm talking about 50 bucks a bet, 20, 20 10 to 50, depending on the, the type of bet, obviously a hundred bucks, like, and you're making a whole bunch. So you're probably betting, you know, maybe, maybe you're finding 15, 20, 25 bets, possibly someone different, obviously, if you were in an ideal world, you'd be scaling your bet size depending on how much EV you have. The, the more the more inaccurate the line is, the more you should be betting. I mean, getting putting that aside, if you just did that every day, you could spend maybe a total of an hour a day. You should be able you 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 if, if you don't clear like five grand, somewhere between five and ten grand by the end of the year in all different types of sports, like. I would say it's unlikely that you don't. The problem is not getting limited while, while doing that. That's why you're only betting 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. Right. But even then I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen some people like, oh, I can't bet here. And I'm, I'm limited to $7 on, on, on yeah. basketball props or something <laughs> like, like you run into that issue, but like actually beating the lines is not, is, is really not complicated, right? right. Going, going around. So if, but to me, that's the, that's the realistic thing. So if you like, if you want to tail people's bets, like Grant, like Grant is, is great at doing this. Yeah. yeah. Grant is 100% great. At, like, and he's also great at exploiting promos. He, Grant knows his stuff. The problem is, is that you need to get the line at the same line that he's getting, mm-hmm. right? Tuning into live locks at 2 PM on the scores and odds channel would be much better than like looking at, his picks at six o'clock at night, right? No, no offense. No, it's not. I'm, I'm saying his content's good, but it's, it's, it's. You need to get the best of the law. There's a time limit on it, right? There's a time limit on it, right? So it's not about like if, if, if Grant says you know like over, uh, you know, over eight and a half rebounds at minus one ten, that's much different than over eight and a half rebounds at minus one thirty five. Right. Or, or yeah. even worse, if it goes down, if it goes up to nine and a half. Right. And my, not minus yeah. nine and a half plus 110. Like, yeah. yeah. It's actually, no, you'd rather have eight and a half minus 110. Yeah. Right. Like, like, and, or if it goes down to seven, it goes over seven and a half minus 190. 
180. I would never be 190, yeah, but like 75 or something like that. Like those bets may actually be equal to each other. Like it may be that uh, that uh, uh, eight and a half over eight and a half, uh, you know, plus 110 for rebounds may be the same as over seven over seven and a half at minus 150. Right. You have to know what what's the value of one. Re- what, what what line value is worth one rebound? What line value is worth one assist? What line value is worth one? Like the to me, those are the most important numbers in all of sports betting. Knowing how much one point is worth, a half a point is worth in football, a half a point is worth in basketball. Like how knowing because you need to judge the money because you may look and it looks like it's like oh I could either I could bet on this NFL game like uh, I could pick plus four and a half for a team. Or plus five. And it's like, no, I'll take plus five. It's like, well, well plus five may be, may be a minus 130 bet. Mm-hmm. Plus four and a half may actually be a, a plus 110 bet. I mean, like, they're different, right? Even though it looks like, oh, I'd rather take the other half a point. It's like, no, I'd rather get the one that's the most profitable. How much is that half a point actually worth? And should I be betting plus four and a half at plus 110? Or plus five at minus 130? And you may find that the, the right, the right, the right thing is right in the middle where plus five should be minus 123, right? And plus 110 should be plus 112. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'd rather save the half a point and best plus four and a half because it's, more, it's a more profitable bet, even though I'm not getting that extra half a point. So how much does it work? So you need to find out how much is, how much is a, I don't know, in baseball, how much is a strikeout worth? Right. Like those types of things. And then betting before, before, before the people, right. Before the, before the, the, the market moves enough that it becomes an unprofitable bet. So that's why like tuning in live to a show with someone explaining those things, right. While that having Grant looking at going, I'm going to look through this and find the lines that are off with you on this show or something like that makes a lot of sense. Just by six o'clock, that may not matter that much. So speaking to that, I, I have a my my strikeout betting model from yesterday's slate, from like the main slate, not the not the afternoon slate. So my Freddie Peralta and the way that I built built this up is I have specific thresholds where um, Freddie Peralta has like a four point three three percent chance at striking out three batters, a nine percent chance at four fifteen percent fifteen point six seven percent at five. But then I do cumulative so that you can actually put it up against a line and find out like how much exactly, like you're saying, how much does that strikeout worth? So if you put the line at 6.5, um, that's the 68% chance in my model of hitting, which is cool. So if you put negative 175 at that, uh, you'd want to bet the over because, or yeah. Right. What's 60? What's 68%? Right, 68% is like what 185. No, that's like negative 210. Right. I, I could put it, I could put this on the screen. So if you're 68%, yeah. that's minus 213. Yeah, 213. There right. you go. So, so here's an odds converter. I have it up on the screen. You go to you go to ace odds. I don't know. The scores, I'm not sure if scores and odds has an odds converter. They should. They, hey, if anyone's listening. If Dan's listening, there should be an odds converter on scores and odds. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there is, right? I, 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 I don't look at it, so I don't, I'm not sure. 
Uh, so yeah, yeah. So what you would do is put it in and go like, if you, if you, I believe like, for instance, I'm going to go to the, the bat projections. I'm going to go to the, the, uh, let's see where, where are we going? Hitters. Now understand these are not necessarily, these are statistical median projections. So just because it says like plus, uh, you know, it's like here, Otani is 0.43. Well, that's like the range, the median of a range of outcomes that also includes two or three home runs, right? So like, it's not a, it's not necessarily a 43% chance, but you could kind of, if you wanted to treat it that way, I think you'd be directionally accurate enough. So for instance, for, if you say he's a 43% chance of hitting a home run, you could just put this right in, right? And here's here's the the odds plus one uh, plus one thirty three. So if you see Otani plus one fifty plus one sixty plus one seventy five, those would be profitable bets, right? Right, because you're getting you're getting the probability, the implied probability from the statistical projections, right? Mm -hmm. So you could do that for strikeouts. You could do that for for for, for anything. If the if the median number of strikeouts for instance, I could do that. Let's see. Let me let me move here. Go back to the pitchers. So, like we have Alec Manoa or something or whatever. We can look at strikeouts. Four point two six. Now five point oh six for K's. So about five. So fifty percent of the time, he gets five. So if you see a prop of five and a half, well, where on that that curve? Is five. That's what that's what you're doing in your model, right? So yes. in your model, like five point five strikeouts is probably something like like a forty, forty five ish percent chance, right? And the the thing that I do is I I round it up, obviously, right? So right. I wouldn't look at the the line for five point five as the exact what it should be. I would look at what it should be for six, right? So I I haven't ran yet today. I'm running after the show, but. For that Freddie for Freddie Peralta example, if I had him at 6.5, so then we'd be looking at seven. I had him at a 47.67% chance to hit seven strikeouts. If the line that you have is 6.5 and you have it at 105, that's a bad bet. But if you have it at 150, then that's a good bet now because now 150 is a 40% implied odds and we're giving 47% on it. So you have a 7% range in between there. Right. So you, you have to make sure of these things like you have to be looking at and, and different guys have different ranges of outcomes when it comes to things like that right i mean yesterday i had spencer howard i had him at a 40 percent chance to have three strikeouts and just a six percent chance to have five plus strikeouts so if you have that 4.5 line you got to have like a really really big uh, like it, it it should be a big favorite on the under Right. It should be like right. negative 220 on the under or something like that. And if you have anything under that, if you're looking at like, oh, even well, if you're looking at like minus 175, which right. looks like humongous, that actually may be a very profitable bet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you really need to pay attention to that and pay attention to the range of outcomes. That's why I build these models up. I do the same thing for NBA and NFL, where like you can actually see the percentages of how often players hit certain thresholds because you need to understand and look at the odds that way. Otherwise, like you can't just blindly bet based on the median. I, you maybe could have done that five years ago, but you absolutely cannot do it now. So if if you're not looking at the actual range of what happens for players, then I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. But if, if you if you do that correctly, right? If you're just aware of the, I mean, this is not complicated stuff at all. No. Right? Uh, 
It's real. And I 100%, I believe it's realistic. I, I could, if obviously in Kentucky, sports betting is not legal. Obviously I could get around it. I can, I mean, I, there's, there's, there's ways. Um, right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's ways for me to bet from here. Yeah. Right. On the, there, there are, uh, the problem is, is that, yeah, you're right. I could, I, I could do it and make somewhere between five and 10,000 doing that for an hour a day all year. The problem is, is that I'm doing other stuff. Like I'm more profitable in DFS. Like, I mean, like, like that, that's, that's the difference of like, I'm already, I'm, there's no point in me doing that. Well, and think, right now, like, that, like, unless I could get more volume down and, and, and it was legal, I didn't have to worry about, you know, you know, accounts getting closed and I'm not in the right jurisdiction or having to use someone else's account. I don't want, like, to me, that's, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that makes everything a pain in the ass. And, and if you say that you could do this for one hour a day and you can make yes. $5,000 by the end of the year, what would be your dollar per hour on that? I love doing this when we talk about like the amount of time that it takes for us to do something. I love right. Well, it'll be 5,000 divided by 365, right? 14 bucks an hour. Yeah, about 14 bucks an hour. I, I do all my work for 50. So that doesn't sound quite quite right. No, well, I'm not, I'm not I, why do you think I'm justifying saying why yeah. why not? But if you're if you I'm not saying you have to bet every day. I'm 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 giving jet broad things. Yeah, super general. Right. But it it beating beating the numbers isn't the isn't the hard part. It's consist it's getting the money down and moving and moving money around and st- keeping accounts lo- alive. That's that's the harder part. Yeah. So like, but my my the thing that I don't like about the sports betting industry is that, you know, it's like, oh, we have the locks, we have the picks, we have the whatever. And it's like, oh, with you, you can make tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars with, with, you know, with our picks. I don't know if I should be, I should be saying that on, on Roto Grinders or whatever, but like, like it, it, it shouldn't be, mar- it should not be marketed that way. But it's not, but I'm not also on the other side where it's like, all sports betting content is, you know, it's like, don't even bother. You know, picks don't mean anything, you know, like completely, like everything's garbage. It's like, no, not everything's and And, and realistically you can be, you can beat it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing for DFS, right? It's like, it's hard, but you could beat it. Sports book yeah. betting is actually easy to beat as long as you're disciplined enough to do it. If you're starting to just be, like degenerately betting on stuff, it's like, Oh, well, uh, it's it's an hour before the game, and I I don't have bets in, and you go around and there's there's no, there's nothing of value, and it's just like well I got to get something in because I'm a degenerate. Like you're then 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 you're not then you can then that situation I'm talking about isn't going to happen. You're not going to yeah. be able to pay for your for your your a week vaca- family vacation or something like that for the year based on your your sports betting stuff, right? You have to be you have to be very disciplined. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that that's where it comes down to like, it's definitely more than an hour a day. Uh, and, and I, I only say that because maybe the amount of time that you are actually active in the sports betting and active in what you're doing, um, maybe that's only an hour, but you're really realistically like on call for like four hours, probably right. at, at least like four hours a day. Um, you know, I, Greg Ehrenberg, who uh, works over at Osmo. He's fantastic when it comes to sports betting and taking advantage specifically in NBA of like late swaps and 
and locks and and people who get scratched and questionables and stuff like that. He's really, really good at it. Um, and I started trying to do kind of the same thing that he does. And I don't have much time, but I have more time than most people, right? Uh, and what you do is you just keep your phone on DraftKings Sportsbook or whatever sports books that you want to look at, like keep your phone open or like your, your monitor open or whatever. And then at after like morning shoot around and then like the 4 p.m. report later on in the day and the 1 p.m. report in the middle of the day, that's when thing that's when news is going to come out on players. And then you can find who is questionable, who's being ruled out, who's being ruled in, who's doubtful, all that kind of stuff. And you can hit the lines. You have about 10 seconds or so, I would say. News comes out. You have about 10 seconds on a retail book to go and hit one side or the other. So if you're good and you know teams intimately in NBA at the very least, um, you, you can go in there and you can really take advantage of some stale lines, as, as Jordan has said to them, but you only have 10 seconds. So you have to be on call during those hours every single day, doing it consistently and being consistently attacking the edges that it's representing. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're going to fall apart at some point in the year. And then you're going to feel like you have to, you know, be a degenerate and hit lines just because you need some action on the day. Maybe you missed something earlier in the day. You're like, eh, then, you know, this, this line's a little iffy, but I got to have something down today. And it's like, well, you shouldn't do that ever. If you miss, if you miss something, never try to make it back up. That's one of the psychology things we talk about. It too. You if, if, if you're, if you're trying to make money doing the, the key yeah. thing is that if you're doing, if you, if you're betting on sports for entertainment purposes, have fun. Yeah. Bet, bet whatever the, bet, bet whatever you want right i think the best thing that you can do as a sports fan right now is have DraftKings sportsbook if if it's legal in your area and build a same game parlay for a game you go to that is the nuts right now like that is the best entertainment that you can possibly have if you go to a game i, I it's, think exp it's expensive entertainment it from, is, from an ev perspective but like I, I i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be able to live with myself it would be so fun i i, I, I couldn't i couldn't live i I can't live with myself doing that. I have not gotten to go to any sporting events since I lived in Tennessee, but I do want to like go to some games at some point, um, or at least go. Who's who's the closest baseball team here? Cardinals, right? Yeah, St. Louis, I guess. Yeah, St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, we should go. To, I, I should go to a Cardinals game and do smash GPS just because it's. it's oh, why? So oh, oh. I mean, I don't care. About I, I couldn't live with like forty percent. Some of these SGPs have like forty percent holds, and I'm like. I couldn't live with myself, even for a dollar. I couldn't do that. I, I can put down ten dollars. It's the same price as a freaking hot dog at the stadium. Mm. Like I'm gonna buy that too. I'm not as big of a nit as you. I really enjoy right. the entertainment. A okay, do it, do it, do it. SGP with two or three or something. Okay, uh, even that. I mean, I cringe at that also. But I mean, these when I see six and sevens and eights, I'm like, oh, are you kidding? Like that's why they're pushing them so much. Right, an eight-leg SGP that's like forty percent hold. Get out of here! I can't possibly and do that. It's even worse on the DraftKings sportsbook. On the FanDuel sportsbook, you get like it's it's not as bad. It's still dead. No, it's terrible. It's terrible, dude. Anything, dude. I don't even like anything. And ten percent is. I I, I go. I, that's ridiculous. You you just want the dimes. I get it. I totally understand. But like, if you put in anybody watching right now. Go build an SGP on DraftKings and then do the same one on FanDuel Sportsbook and you will never bet an SGP on DraftKings Sportsbook ever again, ever. Like it, it's drastic. We're talking like, 
I, I mean, it's got to be like a 20% difference, at least. Yeah, but it's still not, it's still not enough to make up for the hold. If I no, put not it, for that's you. why if you, if you do, if you want to do twos and threes, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. You're paying the VIG for the entertainment. I, okay, but it, it's not, it's not, it's not drastic holds right. on the three, but the, the eights, I, I mean, I, people put do 13s. I go, you're, you're, oh, you're yeah. nuts. You're, you're flushing money away. Jordan, if you're gonna you do a th- if you're gonna do 13, 14, you know, then just bet them individual. Just just bet a hundred bucks individually and just take that that if if most likely you don't have an edge on 14 bets in one game. But I'm I mean, if sure. even if you don't, even if you're just flipping coin, even if you're just flipping coins, get the entertainment of like, oh, out of these 14 bets, maybe I win 10 of them, right? Or something like that, and then you make money like, but to have a, them all together. I mean that's I mean that's how sports that's how they make their money. SGPs are awesome. Oh. They're fun. Oh. I know you hate them because you, because you hate fun. You only care about efficiency and money. And no, but people- it's not fun. It's not fun to throw your money away. That's like you say it's not. No, I'm I'm not. I'm 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 for fun. You know what's fun? Not throwing forty percent of my money away. I don't know about that, Chief. <laughs> I I think that especially if you go to a game, if you're going to a St. Louis Cardinals game, one, you probably already hate yourself. So you might as well throw another 40%. <laughs> and two, you're going to buy a hot dog there anyway, which is the, like, there's got to be a 40% hold you on. You get nourishment from it at least. You do not get like, oh, I got a, I got a $6 hot dog. Hot dog. You do not lie to the public and say you get nourishment from a hot dog. I was just at WrestleMania. We were eating stuff at the the, the, the stadium. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that was yeah that was just nursing. i knew how expensive it was what else are we doing we're going to be sitting here for six hours I how was that by the way how, how was your trip good it was good it was wrestlemania yeah no didn't uh the undertaker retired right yeah i was at the retirement ceremony the, the, the whole ceremony there that's really really cool he's he was right. one of my favorites when i was watching things going on okay well, let me answer some questions in the youtube chat i either so Whatever our, our conversation in the past 50 minutes was either absurdly interesting to some people or, fell, or other people fell asleep, right? But it seems like so many people want to talk about sports betting. It's like, okay, I don't talk about that much. Here you go. And then somebody like, I'm here for just DFS. I don't care. Uh, let's see anything else before we get out of here. Oh, Daniel Keene, five top tens this week. Oh, I'm just scrolling back. Congratulations for that. Yeah, yeah, we already talked about this. Dave Spag says Alex Wood's not listed yet at FanDuel as a starting pitcher because he, he we have him in lineup HQ for San Francisco. That'll all get sorted out. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's noon. That, that any because I mean, we're getting to the point where the back end of the rotations and we don't know if we're going to start this person or that person or bullpen game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so they'll, they'll get they'll get that sorted. Uh, I saw a couple of others in here. Are they deleted? Oh, is it worth playing to play cash in MLB over the course of the whole season? Maybe I would say, I would, if anything, I would play on FanDuel over DraftKings. I think it's really, really hard. I think it's hard to be profitable in cash in MLB. On DraftKings, definitely. I, I would agree with that on DraftKings. On FanDuel, I, I think FanDuel is soft enough that you can, but you have to weigh it over the, it, it's one of those things you have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. for the season and play set aside money and say this is my cash bankroll and it's completely separate from any other part of your bankroll 
And he's like, even if it's like, here's $2,000, right? And it's like, I'm starting day one, opening day, whatever. And I'm only betting five to 10%. Mm -hmm. Pick a number, 10. Don't go more than 10, probably. So 10% of 2,000, so 200 bucks, right? And if you double your money and you have some head-to-heads, right? So you're not necessarily going to... You may turn 200 into 328 and whatever. And now you have 2128. So the next day you're betting $212. You know, you're putting in $212 in volume. And you just, and all you, that, I mean, that's all you do. And you just, you're spitting out some optimal cash lineup, whether it be from the bat projections, the roto grinders projections, aggregated stuff. You want to, you don't want to play the top lineup. You want to play the third lineup that, I mean, the top 10 lineups in baseball. Dude, the top 50 lineups in baseball. I mean, within one or two projection points is perfectly fine. Baseball is such high variance between, you know, well, who do I play? Do I play, uh, do I play Soto or do I play Trout or do I play uh, Acuna? I mean, he's not back or whatever. Like, like, dude, that's going to make, that's going to be the, the difference between winning and losing and projecting between those. One guy goes on for four and the other guy has two home runs and, them's the breaks like those aren't the decisions you should be like like oh my god what do i do it's like no over the court just pick someone and over the course <laughs> of 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 six months hopefully you come out with uh you know positive roi but it's it's not it's not fun i mean it's if you put in two th- if you put in two thousand dollars and you have a good season in cash you'll finish the season with like six thousand dollars yeah and you'll and maybe at, at one point you'll be down to like eight hundred bucks or six hundred bucks or something, and then you have to work your way up. And then 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 at some point you maybe you're up to ten thousand. And then by the end of the season you're down. It's like like if you could if you could triple your bankroll at ten percent per slate, I would consider that to be a very good season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to do something like that, but you have to. It's a thing that you have to kind of commit. You. It's not the type of thing where it's like I'll play cash once in a while. I'll play like. Like it's better to just treat it like an index fund in the stock market and just like I'm, I just invested two thousand dollars, and I all and and decrease the amount of time that you have to do it, right? By just I aggregate these projections and I choose randomly one of the top five. You go to random.org and you go one to five, which one, and then that's the one, you, and you put it in. So it's like no thought process. You spend most of the day entering contests, right? Every so often, and there you go. Like if you wanted to do that. Cash games, I think, on FanDuel MLB. That's what I would do. DraftKings, you could probably do that also. Just that I think that the cash lobby in MLB in DraftKings is I is is much much sharper. Well, and it's orders of magnitude more difficult with two pitchers rather than one. Right. So it's it's just I I think that honestly, and I I have said before that I, I've told people that it is a good thing to play cash game to try and build up your bankroll, but in MLB, like the the variance and the the way that scoring works in baseball, um, you can build a cash lineup that ends up. But it, what what we aim for, and like what Jordan and I always say, is that you want to be somewhere between like the 40th and 60th percentile when you finish your cash games. That's just where you want to end up, like the vast majority of the time. And I think in baseball, it's really, really, really hard to hit that consistently. I think like it's just going to be all over the place in where you're finishing and it just because those events happen and and the event oriented sports that it's it's super correlated 
So typically we say to like, oh, you should probably try to avoid a little bit of correlation, but like in, in cash games, you should try to avoid a little bit of correlation to keep your floor up. But because it's a highly correlated sport, it's like, okay, well, this team has a team total of 14. So like, I'm going to get like six of their a players. A game anyway. total of 14. There's no game Whatever. total of 14. Whatever. You, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, team game total of like 14. So of course you're going to have like six players from that game and then you're correlated anyway. And I, I think that baseball is just, it's, it's my favorite DFS sport because it is such a good GPP sport. Um, I, I just think that cash games kind of. Right. I, I rarely, uh, I dabbled every so often. Yeah. Most, most, I mean, NBA, I'll play cash soccer. I obviously play cash games. Yeah. I mean, I played cash games in almost every NFL mm-hmm. MLB, unless you do as described and just play like an index fund. I, I, it, it doesn't interest it. There's, there's more expected value. There's more ROI in playing large field Jeep. I'd rather devote the volume to that, even though I know the swings are going to be bigger. Well, because th- think about what I said with the, that 40th or 60th percentile range. Like if you can hit that consistently and you know that that's kind of what you're building for, then you should be playing cash games. But in, in baseball, in baseball, like, you can't even do that. In baseball, sometimes your cash lineup is like, oh my God, my cash lineup is like, would, would end up being like top 20 in a GPP. It could be the nuts. Right. It could be the right. It could be, you're, you're probably, a, it's a high scoring slate because you're probably playing higher owned pitchers and somehow a high owned stack or something like that. But, but it's also the type of thing where if you're playing cash games, cash, whatever, if you want to call it cash games, if you know that you're going to be more correlated or somewhat different than most of your the field of cash players, it would be much more beneficial if you don't play double ups and just play triple ups, triple ups or single entry, right? Or single entry or quintuple ups and head to heads and forego the double ups. If you know, if you go like, okay, I see the ownership around the industry, people are going to play, uh, you know, on 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 DraftKings, this this pitcher and this SP two. And they're probably going to pay down a catcher here. They're going to play Mike Trout there. They're going to do, you know, and you could see what it is. And you go, well, based on my projections, based on the bat, based on the plate IQ projections, based on an aggregate or something like that, like within the top five lineups or something, there's the, here's this lineup that, that doesn't have Trout and, and the SP2, and I'm playing a 4% owned SP2, right? And then, and then it wants to actually play uh, three of players from the same team most people are playing you know all three players are owned but most most people in cash are not going to play all three together mm-hmm. because of the way the salaries work out because you're playing trout here and you're playing this pitcher there and then it doesn't work out so now your lineup is a little bit more correlated and a little bit more different which means if you if you beat if your lineup is like five points better than that optimal than that first lineup or whatever the more own lineup you're going to pass a lot more people in your contest. Yeah. So would you rather, if you're going to come in in a, in a 23 man double up or something, if, if 13 to 15 people have kind of the same lineup, like two V two type of lineup and you beat that lineup coming in like four, third or fourth place in a, in a 23 man double up means you're most likely going to come in like top three spots of an 11 man triple. Right. So like you'd rather triple your money than double your money. Right. 
So it's more, more productive. The more different you are from the cash field to get paid off for that difference mm-hmm. rather than just doubling your coming in first in a double up is, is, is not good. Right. Cause you would have much rather been in triple ups then. Cause most of the, the correlation between double up participants and triple up and can double up participants is very high. So it's not like the type of thing where, well, this, the people that are in my double ups are not in my triple ups. Like, no, no, typ- typically it's, it's, uh, it's people entering everything in the lot, right? They're playing all the double ups. They're playing all the triple ups. They're playing all the can double up. In the, even in the single entries, they're playing that still that same lineup, which is kind of a leak. Uh, so you want to get paid off for it. So if you're just playing double ups and you know you're going to be, now there's a difference. If you don't know you're going to be different, then obviously you don't know that. And the more that you're likely to be the same, avoid all of those contests. Like don't play triple ups, don't play quintuple ups. Don't play head to heads as much, play more of the double, right? You wanna get, if you know you're gonna be part of a train, you'd rather be part of a train in a larger double up. Mm-hmm. So you're more like, don't play the 11 man double ups, play the as large of the double ups as you possibly can. So like if the train ends up falling, like the train can make up, even if you know, you, uh, you're gonna have like 30 people with virtually the same lineup, maybe one v ones, two v twos. Like you want more, you don't want an 11 man double up where, where five people have the same, you have the lineup is the same as five people and you come in fourth place and end up losing money. Right. So you want, you want 62 mans and 124 mans and all those types of things rather than that. So like, like to, to me, James, I mean, it's been a little bit longer episode. I, I'm more to me, I, I view these types of episodes as more, as more useful. Yeah, I do too. Do we play Michael Lorenzen on today's slate? I don't know. Uh, but to me, this is this is this these are the types of things that this is how you win at DFS. This is how you win at sports. This like thinking in this capacity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. You you got you you played fifty dollars worth of double ups and you got a hundred bucks, and your lineup did great. And it's like, well, what happens if, instead of the fifty dollars in double ups, you had $25 in double ups and $25 in triple ups, right? right? You would now have $125 in your pocket, not $100 in your pocket. And what if you played 25 in double ups and then 15 in triple ups and then $10 in a single entry GPP and you took down everything? Right. Maybe you don't, but maybe you don't come in first. Maybe you come in fourth, right? Okay. And that's, and the fourth was 500 bucks. And it's like, okay, more, there's more upside there rather than, now, this doesn't mean it's like, oh, you got to put got to put your cash line up in GPPs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you know, if the better you are at DFS, you would know. It's just like, yeah, my cash line is going to be kind of different today than most what most other people are doing. You're still going to play it in cash, but now it's like, now I want to capture the, we, we have the three levers of DFS we always talk about, right? We talk about projection, correlation, and leverage, right? So if we're, if most people are, ramping up the projection not the correlation and leverage the more that you're raising that leverage leather you're not doing it on purpose your lineup looks to you that it projects better than those other lineups it's just those other lineups are going to be more owned because people are looking at some other project or they're going to do something else right they're not going to pay down twice a pitcher right everyone's like i can't trust like you may in your projections especially the bat finds these you know 6400 pitcher in some great matchup that like it's only going to be like 5% owned and he projects for as much as the 9k pitcher that everyone's playing. Yeah. I get that. Right? A lot. Yeah. 
right? So you play that guy. Now you get to pay up for an extra bat. And you know that in most of your, in most of your cash games, people are going to be playing that night, like not going to be playing that. And now that you know that, now you should be in the lobby entering triple up. Like the, that's the situation. And you don't do that in the beginning. You have to see where, where it goes first. And then if you see that you're, yeah, I'm, uh, it's NBA. And it's one of those slates where, you know, three guys are out and everyone's playing like, like two teams, essentially. It's like, what's the point of trip? What's the point of, what's the point of being in a, an 11 man triple up where eight players have the same line? Right. Right. Like you're not, you're, you're never going to triple your money, right? You're most likely going to chop the other three guys' money in the, in the contest and barely even double your money, right? Because eight-way tie for top for three spots up there is not going to be profitable. So it's like, but in a double up and head to, that may be fine. Oh, we talk a lot about this and more. Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. How to think like a professional DFS player. What are the top 1% of players doing? That, that They're thinking this way. So it's 15 hours long. It's nice and structured. Like all the stuff that we talked about today, other than the sports betting stuff, is, is in the course. But instead of having to, you know, I, I, dude, if you go back to the first pregame show and watch all of them in a row, everything that's in the court, you, you could get everything in the court if, if you wanted to do that. It would take you like 500 hours to do that. So you can have it all in one place, like a little seminar, 15 hours long. Theoryofdfs.com. And James, no, uh, congratulations, no more basketball. Or are you, are, you, uh, are you doing playoff basketball projections? I am. I am. Uh, so it's not, you're not, you're not done with NBA yet. No, 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 no. I am done with the dumb NBA, right? Uh, like, and like the play-ins and the playoffs are so easy. The problem with NBA, and I'm not going to go on a rant here, but the problem with NBA is that like you have to be sitting there and rerunning and redoing a whole bunch of things throughout the day. With play-in and playoff, like I can run it once at like 3 p.m. and be done. Like I don't have to touch it anymore most of the time unless we have like some sort of questionable. And then at worst, I can run two different models and be like, here's the one with them in and here's the one with them out. And that's easy. So I'm, I'm very happy that uh, the NBA, that the bad NBA is done. Um, much happier that baseball is back. And once they figure out the, the time, the weird time starts, which has been annoying to start the year, um, it'll just be smooth sailing all the way through. PayDirtDFS.com. Yep. All, all your needs for Madden Sims, no matter what happens. I, I haven't been running Madden Sims as much. Have you been playing those contests? Um, I've been playing when I run them, yeah. Okay. But I, I have been, uh, I've been focused so much on on MLB coming back that I, I haven't had as much time to run okay. uh, Madden Sims. But when, you know, again, the time starts thing, once that gets figured out, then it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, well, trust me, by the time we get to, like July, I'll be sick of baseball and we'll be talking about Madden Sims again. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, we'll have USFL. I ain't, I ain't playing that. I, I don't want to play either. <laughs> so you can follow James on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. You can follow me at Blender HD. We got, the, like I said, Grant Show on uh, Scores and Odds, uh, Live Locks on the Scores and Odds YouTube channel. So subscribe there. We got Grinders Live later today with Dean and the boys. Uh, I always say the boys, so I'm not sure who, what two people are on. I should probably look at the schedule. Uh, 4.45. And then immediately after that is crunch time. And crunch time is not just for premium members. It's free. 
free all season. MLB, free, sponsored by FanDuel, right? So play those MLB cash games on FanDuel. Obviously, James wants you to, you know, SG, if, yes. If you're going to play SGPs, probably I think they're better. I think you're, you're right on FanDuel. Just do two, please, for the love of God, just do twos and threes. That's fine. Fine. I, I, the knit, the EV knitted me is allowing the world, is allowing my viewers. <laughs> if you want to have some entertainment with SGPs, just do twos and threes, right? I don't want you to see tw- tweeting me these, these 10, these 10 leg SGPs and going, you know, that's entertainment. It's like, good luck. To, good luck to you. Right. I you like 50 people who just like send you the worst SGPs you've ever seen in your entire life. Okay, dog. Hit that thumbs up button anyway at the door. Hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium, obviously, to get uh, get all the tools, lineup HQ, all the content. Click on the link in the description if you want a combo premium package. You get ten dollars off your first month, and uh, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. We, we got we got two slates today. I'm not playing the early slate, but I, I will be playing the late slate on FanDuel, and we'll be going over stuff from Results DB and talking about that slate tomorrow as well as. Everything we got plenty of time for MLB DFS chatter, right? Right. We, all week it'll just be stacks and pictures and what do we do? So uh, save your questions to then because I'll answer them as always, like I do on the DFS pregame show at RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>